0: So as I said, today in Christian circles, in Christian tradition, in the Christian calendar around the world, in actual fact marks the beginning. It's it's like it's the beginning of the culmination of the entire Jesus story. This is where things become crucial, the, the tension begins to build in the story and we begin to feel something is about to happen. And it does. Which we celebrate and remember on Friday and Sunday next week. So in actual fact, one of, quite a number of decades ago, um, one of the European scholars looking at this, said, you know, when he he analysed the Gospels, it's almost as if the the Gospels are a passion narrative. It's almost like there's such a section of the story, whether you read Mark or Matthew or Luke, it's it's almost like the whole thing is a passion narrative, and what he said is with an extended introduction. So it's not really a good um, critique of the Gospels because there's a whole lot... That happens before then. There's a lot of important stuff in terms of Jesus' birth, his baptism, his ministry. But it's quite interesting that proportionately in each of the stories about Jesus, the passion, the entry into Jerusalem, this culmination and climax of Jesus' ministry and the story of his crucifixion and resurrection... Is, it's not only the central event, but it takes up an extraordinary amount of space. And that just says in another way, just in a, just in a gentle reminder, this is central to our lives as believers and followers of Jesus. So I would encourage you, the, you know, every year, there's in the lectionary and um, some churches there's a different sort of gospel that's focused on and so the gospel that is focused on this year in actual fact is Matthew's gospel Um, as we get to Easter you know we'll read from John and maybe Luke and that kind of thing but I would encourage you I started doing it a few days ago I thought you know what I'm just going to sit let me just read Matthew again it's really not that long You know, if you decide to read Mark, you can read Mark aloud in just over an hour. Um, Read it slowly, it'll take you an hour and a half. (laughs) So Matthew's longer than that. But to take the week and just read it for yourself. And read it in a way that you say, if, if this is so central... To Jesus' life and story and to us as followers of Jesus. What would you say to me this year? What is it that you're saying to me, to us as a family, to us as a church, to our community, our country? You know, where is the kind of, maybe the weight of words and emphasis going to rest we really felt it. so It's like in the same way we sing. Ah, guys sing a whole lot of songs, and then Dylan goes like, well, you know this phrase, heaven comes to fight with me. And in the same way, when we read and pray through the gospel, sometimes you just see something that you've never seen. Or something that you always see just sits with you, and you think, let me just pray about that. Let me... Talk about that this week. And that's how I experience God just unraveling stuff for us. So that is my prayer and my hope for all of us this week. Um, Elsa actually prayed the one phrase that I had and I was thinking about. I mean, it's fascinating. And we met as, as pastors on Thursday. And we were just looking at some of the stories in that. And also thinking about next week. But the crowds in the story, it's like a couple of days before they, before the crucifixion, they are welcoming Jesus. They take, they're tearing down branches, cutting them from trees. They're laying it in his path. Here he comes on a donkey. There's all these parallels within the culture of what of what that symbolized. But if we just think for a moment, the crowds are going, Hosanna. Hosanna means God saves. They're crying out to Jesus that God is going to save us. Save our city. Save Israel. Save me. There's this, this excitement and celebration. And a couple of days later, they're like, done with him. Crucify him. And, you know, who knows who was there and who was saying what and that. But the way the story is told, it's told about the the crowd. And we realize that it's, again, like crowds are so fickle. Crowd can just change. You know, one minute, a crowd is going like Hosanna, and the next minute they're going, crucify him. And I mean, in our history of this country, we've had that. We've had crowds, you know, hailing politicians as saviors. or you know, like, You're going to do this for our country. And the same crowd mentality has been involved in mob justice, necklacing, that kind of thing. So crowds oh, crowds can be incredibly influential. We get caught up in what the crowd is doing. And like in the gospel reading, it's like, that's such a good thing. And it's the same today. It's the same with peer pressure, with the pressure of the culture, with the pressure of whatever's happening in the city or the world at the moment. We, we easily become a part of it. And yet, what else can we see in the Jesus story? So, one of the things I just want to kind of land on today is that this entrance into, into Jerusalem was a path. It was a road. Jesus was on a journey into Jerusalem. He had, a, he had his Google map out and he was going to go this way or whatever on his iPhone. And he had his little route, you know, planned out for him. And it was a way, it was a path, it was a road. And this phrase, path and journey or way in Scripture, in actual fact, is, it's quite an interesting one. I've got a group of pastors that are reading uh, Eugene Peterson together. And over the last couple of years, started in COVID, we were just reading the um, Contemplative Pastor and um, something else last year, I don't remember, must have been profound. And then this year, one of the books that Peterson wrote is called The Jesus Way. And um, anyhow, so we meeting with some guys next week, so this has been on my heart and um, in my mind and that kind of thing. So a way, a way is a route. It's a road, it's a path. But a way can also be the way that we act, the way that we conduct ourselves, the way that we live, the way that we speak, the way that we respond. And so Jesus comes and says, I am the way. And when he says that, it's like it's more metaphorical. It's more what does he mean by this? In one sense, when Jesus says, I am the way, he says that no man comes to the Father but through me. And that emphasis in John's gospel, it's it's, it's almost like, well, well, I'm like a doorway. Because you can't come in to God's family, into the kingdom, unless you come through the way of Jesus. So the way there is like, well, it's a path, but it's it's a doorway. That's the way in. But you know, in the gospel, it's also a bit more than that. Would it be that it was just that? And sometimes we made it. That. Would you like to go to heaven? Or just say this prayer. There's the key. You're in the door. Also, awesome. carry on and live as you want. I don't think Jesus said that. I don't think Jesus meant that. So, in actual fact, Jesus wasn't just talking about a destination. Jesus was talking about a way of life. When Jesus says, I am the way, he's not just saying, I'm the way in, but he's saying, I'm the way on. This is how to live. He's calling people to follow him on a way, on a journey, but to follow him the way that he goes and to learn from him the way to live, the way to respond, the way to live well in this world. So, Jesus offers us eternal life. He offers us fellowship with the Father. He offers us, us this kingdom family. But it, it's not just we well, flick a light switch and then it's done. It's an invitation to the way that Jesus lived, the way he was. And to live like him, led by him, to live with him, to be inspired by him on our way in this world. And that becomes a bit nuanced. Dallas Willard spoke about this as well and he said um, he was saying we don't we're not trying to be Jesus as Jesus was 2000 years ago when we say we're imitating Jesus. We're saying to Jesus, if you were living my life now my life as Wayne as Francis, as Grant, as Laurie, as Jane, how would you live? In our separate vocations, in our different localities, in our different families, with upbringings and history and everything like that, how does Jesus incarnate himself? Through us. And so let me just pause and say, I mean, I know that's exciting. That's quite <laughs> so, but it, that's a profound challenge. But it's an exciting opportunity. And now, when we read the gospel, I'm saying read Matthew. Like a bigger challenge, we'll read from Genesis to Revelation, and the Gospels in between. This week. That's also good. But as you read this. It becomes a conversation. You can't, you can't do this without, without talking to God, speaking to the Father, talking to Jesus, like getting feedback from people around you. You don't know think you can't? <laughs> You can't just read this and carry on. The challenge is in conversation and in community to be saying, What are you saying to me now? And so the way needs prayer and contemplation and conversation with those around us. So one of the, I still think this is probably the most quoted verse in, um, in the Message Bible. I read it every other week. But where Jesus actually puts some of this in his own words, and I think which like, speaks to us, is this Matthew 11 verse 28, and he says, so are you tired, worn out? I mean, sometimes burnt out on religion. Come to me, says Jesus. Get away with me and you'll recover your life. I'll show you how to take a real rest Walk with me and work with me. That's the way that he invites us into. Walk with me. Work with me. What shall I do it. Learn the unforced rhythms of grace. I won't lay anything heavy or ill-fitting on you. Keep company with me, and you'll learn to live freely and lightly. And that for us still today is an incredible challenge. There is a way to walk. There is a way to live. But it's not always the Jesus way. And Jesus invites us in our walk in our vocation, in our home, in our neighborhood, to walk with him. And, I mean, if I, you know, just to say, I get this wrong the whole time. And then I realized, like, these, most days, I you got to go, there's stuff that you carry that feels heavy and there's burdens and there's stuff going on in the world. Or, you know, and, and it's the day when you feel particularly harassed, like everything's going wrong and then the lights go out of you, you know, and you go, ah, this is the last straw. And you know, it's in times, it's so often in times like that, that I, I reflect and I go, this is me. And what I mean by that is, is that I go, I'm carrying this heavily. I'm allowing this to get. The reason I'm agitated, stressed, anxious, and that is because it's getting to me. And we don't, when you're stressed and anxious, it's not a good time. But, you know, maybe a little bit later or you're sitting down, there's an opportunity to go, why is this bothering me? And it's those times that I need to speak to Jesus and say, why am I carrying this so heavily? Why am I getting so angry with that person? And how, you know, you almost say, how would you do it, Jesus? But in Willard's way, it's like, well, if you were living this through me, this body and, you know, this intellect and emotions and, you know, whether I've got a neck brace on or not, or, how would you do it through me? And, and I won't tell you the answer to those because normally it's just a, it's about me. So the first followers of Jesus were not called Christians. They weren't called vineyardites or Presbyterians or... One of the earliest titles of believers was followers of the way. There was actually these historical documents that criticise. They go, they're these idiots. They've lost the plot. They've lost the way of Caesar and Rome, which the Roman scholars said, and they've gone, they this other cult. One of the writers actually refers to them as that. And this the sect, this bunch of like losers, then they called them followers of the way. And it's profound. I go, yes. It's not about our title. It's not about I'm vineyard or I'm a Christian and, you know, you're a Jew. It was like, it was about these guys that said, like, we have found a new way. And what was upsetting, the Romans and the rulers and the consuls and the provincial, they were going, well, this, a lot of people are in, coming into this new way. And it was a threat to the powers and principalities of that day. And I mean, that is like, whoa, wouldn't that be cool? That more and more people were going, this is the way. And like, you know, the DA had their conference yesterday. Francis was very stressed about that. And, you know, the ANC, and imagine if in all these conferences, they were like, oh, we need to talk about this, this new way, you know, (laughs) People aren't following our way anymore. They want to go this way. And that is how the Christians were described at first. They were part of this new way. I had a lot more to say. We're going to land it there. The challenge for us going into Easter was that This story changed history. It's like, whether you read it or not, it changed history. Let's read, pray, enter into the story, not now, not just now, also ambiguous in English, but throughout the week and say, We follow our own way. I most prefer my way. I most prefer when everyone else fits in with my way. But what is the way that you're leading me in? And how can I read this story of a way? A way of life, a way of living, a way of of incarnating the message and the ministry of Jesus today in and through my life. That maybe some people go like he's lost the plot, eh? He's on he's on this way. You go well, it's the way Jesus is putting me on. You know. Let's pray.